Hi, I'm Caleb. I'm a cardist, and I'm interviewing other cardists to see how and why they create, so we can learn how to grow as a community. Welcome to Cardistry Talk. Hello everybody, just want to give some updates for starters. Uh, if you guys didn't know, I do have a Discord, and if you guys join right now, you guys are going to be able to watch the videos and interviews early. I'm going to be posting them as soon as I edit them as unlisted videos, and you can check them out and get access to them early there. So definitely join the Discord server if you haven't. I also just want to thank everybody that has bought a Car Street Talk t-shirt. If you want one, you can still pick them up. They're always going to be available, and they're at a very affordable price. So thank you guys for watching, and let's talk to Brom. Welcome back to episode 22. Today I'm joined by Brom Dufenhausen. Oh my gosh, I'm really bad at, at pronouncing last names, but I'm, I'm really happy to have Brom on the show. He is an amazing cardist. He has a solo performance up on YouTube called Square Dance, and he also has a dozen or so moves on Instagram that have a, some really nice flow to it. Um, I'm really excited to have Brom on the show. This is also my first international, I guess, I believe. So he's from the Netherlands as opposed to the United States. So I'm super excited to kind of broaden that horizon and I'm really excited to talk with Brom about some cars and I think we'll get some interesting topics of conversation. So Brom, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thank you. How are you doing? I am doing good. I am excited for this. I think uh, I think people will have some interesting takeaways from you. Um, so just opening up with the main question that you know I'm going to ask everybody, uh, what, what's kind of Brom's origin story in car history? How did you kind of uh, get started in the hobby? Yeah, I'm actually quite new to cards, actually. Uh, I, I originally started with card throwing for like three months mm -hmm. uh, around the end of 2016. Um, and then I kind of, yeah, I just, I just continued throwing cards because I thought it was cool. <laughs> and my friends started learning it as well. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is kind of getting boring. Let's see, what can I do with cards that is a little more like that, that won't ruin my cards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it might be fun. So I just searched some magic tricks up. Um, I learned a few, this, uh, this magic trick stuff was around 2017 mid, um, and I got really hooked started learning so many tricks and I I just tried to get really good at it mm -hmm. but then eventually uh, magic started getting boring for me so around the end of 2017 I picked up cardistry and I kind of was just messing around with uh, the most basic stuff <laughs> Like, I guess I, I was trying to learn phased, but I just sucked at it. I was just doing random stuff. But then around, um, I think, at the end of 2018, that's when I first started creating. That's when I made my first cut. I think it's, um, I think it's interesting when you first started with, with throwing cards, because I don't think that's how, I think... I mean, obviously, you say you have like some magic in there. Yeah. But I think most people go just straight magic to cardistry. So it's interesting to have yeah. like another layer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I think, 
I think it, I think it's for most artists that they just start with magic and that they uh, come by cardistry and they mm -hmm. get into that. I think it's exciting though that, they, that we're seeing um, more people start with cardistry instead of just magic. I feel like that yeah. used to never be a thing, but now it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit of a thing. You'll hear it every once in a while, yeah. especially for like more recent artists. So, yeah. um, I mean, 2018 is pretty, oh, it's 2021 now. I was about to say yeah. 2018 is pretty recent, but um, yeah. for for such a, a early artist and competing with, you know, some of the big names or the people that have been doing this for, let's say, a decade, because some people have been at this point, which is insane. First off, I just want to say I, I really enjoy some of your stuff. I think it's really complex and great, and I think a lot Thank of people you. find enjoyment out of it. But mm -hmm. for like tournaments and things like that, um, how do you think packet cuts, um, do you think packet cuts kind of almost come at, as a disadvantage to all, all genre type contests? Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think, I think, um, I think that is true. That packet cuts, I think packet cuts are one of those things that are more of the advanced genre because I think things like fans and spreads and displays are easily understood. Mm -hmm. um, even if they have a cool mechanic, I think most people who are starting out in cardistry uh, will immediately get why that move is cool. Um, but I think with packet cuts, there is a different, there's a different dynamic mm -hmm. in creating cuts. And I think people react uh, react differently to packet cuts because people know how much effort is put into a cut. Mm -hmm. And when they see a cool packet interaction, um, they'll usually react very highly on that because they know how, how difficult that is to come by because Packet interactions is one of those things that is just completely physics. It's just, you can experiment with grips, um, different angles of your hands and different fingers, mm -hmm. even with your palm. I, I've been experimenting with my, uh, with different parts of my hand. Like I've been trying to do stuff with my palm. Um, so yeah, I think when, I'll, for argument's sake, I'll probably use the, the cardistry touch thousand dollar move contest. Mm -hmm. um, there were so many different type of genres in that contest, but I think this time, well, of course, this time um, a packet cutter won. Mm -hmm. It was it was one where he had like the two Vesper closer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I. I think it was like I think that is one of those cuts that is easy to understand because there's a nice and compact mm -hmm. moment to it. Um, but I think cuts like Muzzle Flash, I think it was uh, by Trin, Trin C H M G K or something. You know, I, I know the username. I, I can't. I won't be able to picture them. Yeah, so many moves. <laughs> so like he had, he had this five packet cut, um, and I was like, what the. What the hell? <laughs> I did. I was just so sat satisfied with how he did that closer, and how he just got into 
perching that packet and then moving it over his thumb um, and then closing it into like a tootsie roll. You know what the, the tootsie roll move by Beckett? No. <laughs> uh, it's like a, it's like a, wait, sorry. I think, I think it is like something like that or something. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he flips that deck up with a, I just, I think it fell over some and then catching it. And I was like, what? This is, this is going to have, uh, like, I thought that packet cut was going to go, it was going to get into the top three probably, mm-hmm. or if not top 10. But then I saw the top 20, and I was, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then the top 10, we didn't see Trin on that list. And I was, <laughs> and I felt like, okay, I can kind of see a pattern in how just some people don't understand packet cuts and um, why that may be. Maybe. Um, I also, also in the Karshikon Championship of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, Leo and Sib, they had pretty cool videos with packet cuts. They're mainly packet cutters, but I think in the feedback, I think it's still on the website. Um, yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. that uh, the, some judges, like Jaspis, Jaspis is not per, in particular a packet cutter. He's more of a overall kind of guy. Um, but you can kind of see in the feedback that they don't really get what was so special about their packet cuts. And I think that's kind of unfortunate considering how cool a packet cutter cutter can be if you get why it's cool. Mm -hmm. You almost need like a level of appreciation for packet cutting. Like you almost need to um, have a knowledge of what's been done and what hasn't been done. And yeah. what's unique to like fully appreciate a packet cut yeah because i mean you see this all the time with just i, I guess you would call them lay people but people that don't know car history like they're mm-hmm. instantly going to react better to a spring or a fan most likely yeah. than a packet cut because they have no basis of understanding like what a packet cut is yeah um which is interesting i don't know if that like somehow flows over to um people in car history as well um I'm not gonna pretend like I'm like super knowledgeable about packet cuts because yeah. most of my 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 moves are ra- rather simple, I believe, compared to um, people like you or Greg or yeah, your moves are like uh, a kind of a kind of I, I can see there is a lot of inspiration from Berger, Berger mm-hmm. Carlson. Like you, I see I see you do a lot of a. Uh, um, move to a leg kind of thing yeah and there's I, a lot of big motion uh, a soccer i play so- i played soccer i have a soccer background so like i like to try to incorporate as much foot stuff as i can because i don't think as much people have as much coordination with their feet as i do mm-hmm. um so when i first got back into carter street that's like what my main focus was was like okay let's figure <laughs> yeah. out some feet stuff um but 
a lot of my moves are more like stunt based. I don't really have like these big pieces that you can like dig your teeth in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that a lot of that comes with style and like creating your own style. Yeah. Um, but do you have any tips for people who like want to create their own style or kind of like have a different style that stands out from the rest in cardistry? I mean, I, I can't tell somebody how it's, like how to make their own style. Mm-hmm. I can I can I can tell you how I got around to it. Um, I kind of started out uh, just looking at my favorite artists like Oliver and Sib and uh, Olaf Olaf Adams, uh, and I just I just kind of stole mechanics from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I kind of started out. I just stole grips and this, that, and it, and it kind of looked very similar to their cuts. Um, but over time, I just noticed that um, my, my packet cuts were a lot like theirs, but they were changing into something else. They were they're more um, a mix of what I wanted my cuts to look like. Mm-hmm. And uh, of what my inspiration was. So I think it's just a matter of time and just a matter of who your inspiration is and just how you want, like what genre you want to go into. And mm-hmm. uh, like, yeah, that basically. Yeah. I yeah. think <laughs> to, to start off with, I, I would say just like try to, for most people, I think mimic, mimicking like some of the better people, it's just like yeah. try to make a move that like Tobias would make or Oliver yeah. would make mm-hmm. and then slowly branch off from that. Because if you don't have any basis, like when you're first starting out, like it's, mm-hmm. you're not going to really get anywhere if you don't have like a, a general framework to work it out. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think then, I was going to say something else. Yeah, it was good. And now I'm blanking on it. Um, Oh, and then I just want to say too, like what I've found, and I don't know if you found this, but like oftentimes what I input or like what I watch, like affects what I output. So like there was a while there where I was just watching um, Oliver Sogard, um, the video for form. I can't think of what it's called. I would kept watching that. And then like I made a a two-handed interlock move that was like kind of similar to one of Mm -hmm. his moves and I find like what you watch like whether you realize it or not a lot of times comes out in in what you make yeah you found that at all yeah I uh, I I usually have like these I guess my creative process is based off of what comes out um okay because I kind of need a basis of something to be able to around mm. so uh, I usually have the most drive when a new video comes out mm-hmm. um, I so like usually in between the release of a video and the release of another video I'll usually have a little bit of a drive and then I'll have like this huge block <laughs> uh, for quite some time um, because my moves kind of complete themselves mm-hmm. in a way. Um, 
my most of my cuts kind of like my move um, tachycardia. I kind of made that in a night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it wasn't like I thought it was going to be like I, I had the opener, um, and I was just playing around at night, and I just pushed the packet through my uh, index and middle finger, and it just became a really cool cut, and people liked it. So I'm kind of happy that it worked out. Um, but that kind of happens with a lot of my cuts. They kind of morph into something really cool. Um, but sometimes with cuts, it's just really hard. Uh, sometimes you'll have really cool opener, but just you won't have a middle part. <laughs> and it just kind of sucks. And that's kind of like where I usually get stuck. I have a really hard time making middle parts. When I have a opener, I'll usually have a closure too, but there'll be some beats missing, mm -hmm. like some like a extra part in the cut. Um, but that's usually where I get stuck. Uh, I just kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of need something to branch off of when creating something. That's interesting. I feel like I never have like the closer, like I always have to like go in order. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm happy that you said that you, you, you can like make stuff in like a night or something. Cause that's what I do too. And like, I was talking with like Greg and like Beckett and they take like months to think out moves. And I like, ah, man, <laughs> like, I wish I could be that complex. Yeah. Like think that hard or spend, have enough patience, especially for something yeah. like that. I get, yeah sorry no i think i get like almost bored in a sense creating sometimes if, if it's if it's longer than like three hours or something yeah. it's more than one night really long yeah. night yeah uh isn't yeah I, there are some moves that I just i make in like a week or so but i have i think it was um one move, I can't remember which one it was. It was uh, Podo site. It's in my square dance video. It's the last move. Mm -hmm. um, that one took one hell of a long time to make. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the opener and it was very, I, it was, I thought it was a very nice theme of tumbling, just package just falling into place. Um, but then I just couldn't really figure out a cohesive closer for it um so i think i kind of went from different closers but i think around april i kind of finalized a closer for it but then a few weeks before i was filming square dance i was second guessing the closer mm -hmm. so i started changing it again um i had a lot of ideas for the closer but Eventually, I just stick sticked with the original one, and that's the one you're seeing in the video. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is a little personal question, but how often do you doubt like the things you create, whether it's good or not, or whether it's like good enough? Like, is that because I feel like a lot of artists are are pretty hard on themselves? I guess you could say, or yeah. Um, 
yeah, I would say hard on themselves, like overthinking whether something's good or not. In like the moves for square dance, mm -hmm. those are the moves that I was making when I was still trying to figure out how to create, like figuring out how I create and figuring out my own style. So I was constantly asking people what they think about it. So eventually I made an account, a private account for my secret, my safe moves. Mm -hmm. I got a bunch of people on that account and asked, like, I'll ask them, what do you think of this and that and this and that? Is this closer good enough? Or does this need an extra beat or something? Um, so all, all the moves from Square Dance, I, at, at the time, I did not um, like had the confidence in myself to mm -hmm. say this is good enough or, or to say like, I know this is good. So I didn't really have cuts that were completely saved, like secret from everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I think after Square Dance, I made a few moves and I was a bit more confident in myself in what was, what was gonna fit in that move. Um, so yeah, I think after my solo video, I kind of got a little bit more confident in what I was creating, um, which is also the reason uh, I haven't posted on that account in a while, <laughs> mm -hmm. because I'm, I kind of have an idea of what is like cohesive. When you're making moves now, do mm -hmm. you have, I, I, I think there's two kind of schools of thought. There's like Instagram and then there's the perform saving it for like a bigger performance video. Yeah. I think there's a, a couple people that break away with from that, like Eric Carter Street kind of makes like stuff that's kind of in the middle. But when you create a move, are you thinking that you want to show it off immediately or are you trying to save it for like a really big, very impactful video? Well, for the moves I have saved now, I'm kind of contemplating on saving them. But I, there's also like this urge of posting them. Mm -hmm. um, so usually when I make moves, I think it's just, I'll see what happens. It's usually not that I have in, like a plan in mind of what to do with the move. Mm. It's usually I'll decide like what to do with the move when it's finished or when it's somewhat finished. Um, with the moves I have now, they are uh, quite good <laughs> in my opinion. Um, but I'm gonna post them soon because I, I don't really enjoy saving moves because it's kind of, I, I don't know how to say this, but it's more, it's like, it kind of makes you impatient with creating, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. In the long run. Um, I guess because saving is, is something you, when you save a move, it's it's usually because you think the move is, really good and you want to save it for some future content like a video for some brand or just for yourself 
Um, but I think when you save, it's it's more just um, eventually the creating other moves and doesn't really become as fun for me. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, after Square Dance, I said to myself, okay, I'm, I'm not going to save as much as I did. So, so for the moves that I have now, I'll, I'm going to post them soon or release them um, in a video or something. How do you kind of get inspired to uh, create? I, what, are, what are some inspirations for when you, you perform yeah. artistry? Okay. I think it's just, I think it's just when, it's usually because I, I have a, I have a lot of, I've got, I have a quite a few people I talk with mm -hmm. uh, consistently on Instagram and they'll show me a move and I'll, you know, kind of, I'll have it in the back of my mind and uh, usually when I look at a move, I'll, I'll usually rewatch it a few times to really look at it and see what what, what I can potentially steal. Mm -hmm. um, I think with most moves that I see, um, I, I kind of look at them and then maybe I'll just forget them a few hours later. But I think with cuts from Oliver and my close friends, in cardistry, I'll usually get inspired from that um, instead of like random posts. I'll see. I think it's I think it's more of who you prefer to take from, because the people I talk to usually have a very similar style or branch mm -hmm. in, in packet cutting that I do. Do you uh, do you find music kind of? plays a key role for you? I know it does for a lot of people. Kind of. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think music is more of a, for, for me, it's, it, for me, it's more of a um, assist to figure out a flow for a move. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I had one move, it's saved, but I have, I have one move where I, <laughs> where I kind of, stole like the rhythm of the song and tried to incorporate that into my cut. Yeah. I, think it, I think it had a lyric. It was a lyric like it was from Lil Wayne. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was like uh, um, something like, I'm out of my coofin narcotic abuse or no needles cause my pockets balloon and your partner's is pooters or something. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, the, the rhythm was really cool to me. So I thought, what if I pause at the moments where he finishes the line? So I've been, I've been experimenting, experimenting with um, flow a bit more. Mm -hmm. So you'll probably see that in my newer cuts. You'll see a bit more, like, I think you'll see that my, the mechanics complement the flow in a way. Um, but I think music is more of a, it's basically just an assist to flow for me, but it's not just, I can't really take any inspiration mechanically from it. Mm -hmm. I think it's just more 
you'll either consciously or subconsciously take inspiration from the music you listen to. I think that, I mean, that's a really cool concept to me, at least, like basing the tempo of a mood around like beats, whether it's, yeah. uh, or like a flow from music. Mm-hmm. I, that's very interesting, something like I've never thought about trying to do. You know, I think yeah. most people, they kind of try to go at like one speed for their mood. Like just, yeah. I don't think many people try to have different increments of tempo and speed. Yeah, I think, um, I think there was a time, I mean, I, I haven't been along, <laughs> I haven't been around for long, but from what I've seen, I, um, from just scrolling through accounts, I think there was a time where um, uh, flow was, I think there were two types of flow. Mm-hmm. I think it was the back and forth flow, and then you had the continuous motions flow. Super fast. Flow. Yeah, super fast. Like you, you can compare like the back and forth flow would be Maverick um, mm-hmm. by Oliver. And then maybe the continuous flow would be, uh, I don't know which move, like oh, like Heritage maybe. That will be a more continuous mm-hmm. flow. Like I mean, not entirely because that, uh, that, that move is pretty, it goes in and out more. Yeah. It's not back and forth, but maybe, maybe it's going like squoze. Or... Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, but I think now um, flow kind of looks very identical to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only cardist that kind of has a great balance between flow and um, mechanics is Leo because he had, he has very I don't know he I think he's just so smooth with his uh, performances that he just has just this natural little flow um, but I'm excited to see what he puts out in his above the radar video mm-hmm. maybe we'll see something cool I guess if that make it, makes any sense. I think that didn't yeah, make yeah, a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, no, it did. <laughs> I, I had like this gap of like five or six years where like I wasn't really in the cardistry. So like there was like two years where I did cardistry, this five or six year gap. And then like mid COVID, I came back to cardistry. Yeah. And like early on in those early years when I was first learning cardistry, like there was like, there's one speed and that was you go as fast as you try to go as fast as possible yeah basically yeah. and mm-hmm. i found it interesting when i came back that we've almost slowed down on purpose so that we can mm-hmm. comprehend like what is actually happening yeah um because like going really fast like it looks cool but you have no clue what's you can't see what's yeah. going on and like i mean i guess if you look at that it might be how like laymen look at packet cuts and, and stuff in general where they don't really know what's going on but they just yeah. know something's happening um, yeah exactly but i think it's i find it interesting and I, I think it makes total sense how we have slowed down and almost gone through smoothing smoothing things out and like showcasing 
what is actually happening. But yeah. I just think it's really interesting how, how that shift has happened um, in the recent years. And I, I think it's part of the reason that cardistry has grown so much is you can appreciate it better because you actually can see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think people who are a bit more, have been into cardistry a bit longer um, are the ones who will uh, appreciate and this, this sounds very obvious, but people who kind of been along for quite some time, I think will just appreciate cuts even more than the average cardist. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I mean, and, and this is just like with anything in general, but like all related to like sports, like if you don't know the rules of, of a sport, it's a lot harder to enjoy or understand it. But like, once you've like watched some cardistry or like have like a deeper knowledge, like you can appreciate it better because you have yeah. some form of understanding about what's what's happening, what's difficult. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's why like a lot of, like, the, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of laymen or however you would want to say it, like don't really understand packet cuts it's because they don't have a framework to base it off of. You're saying like, um, you can't appreciate once you appreciate the rules, you appreciate the game even more. Mm -hmm. like that, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that can uh, like go with a lot of parts of cardistry. But I, I think I think Leo said something about cardistry is, is kind of like music. Once you once you know the rules of music, you can break them and bend them in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, you said something like, I think once you know what you're doing, I think then you can think as outside the box. I think that's what he's saying. Yeah. Um, and I think I might be, I, I think I'm still like in that phase of still trying to understand everything. Um, I don't think I'm at the highest level of understanding yet. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like I might get there one day, you know? But, yeah, I think it's just more of how fast you understand cardistry is, I think, that depends on who's in your circle, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think if, if you just have people in your circle who are about as experiences you that you kind of just go with the flow together and you might just bounce ideas off of each other and i think that might just affect the way you think about cardistry um so at the end of the show i usually like to do what i call the rapid round of questions this is a, a three minute time period um where the goal is just to answer as many random questions as quickly as possible right now greg has the uh, the new record? He absolutely smashed it last time. He's very uh, passionate about it for some reason, okay, uh, okay. which I'm happy about. But uh, the BD was 21, um, so I'm, I'm just gonna bring up those questions and then we can jump into this if you're ready. Okay. Cats or dogs? Um, dogs. Um, 
Favorite musician or band? Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Android or iPhone? Uh, I have an Android. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, summer or winter? Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, teleportation. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. <laughs> have you ever broken a bone? No. I'm very careful. <laughs> favorite favorite type of food? Ooh. Um, I like anything that's Italian. Really. Mm-hmm. Uh. Do you have a favorite deck of cards at the moment? Uh, I really like the the entire deck from the other group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this kind of goes in hand with the, one of the previous questions. Do you have a favorite restaurant? Ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite TV show right now? Uh, Suits. What was it? Suits. What would the title of your autobiography be? Evil Weezer. Toilet paper over or under? Uh, like with the peel outside, yeah. yeah. Like you can grab it, like, yeah. Over, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. I think we, you already asked that. Did I? Right. Yeah. <laughs> These, uh, the wheel doesn't like stop at ones I have already right now. Anyways, uh, do pineapples uh, belong on pizza? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love pineapple on a pizza. <laughs> if you could, um, if you could have coffee with any Disney character, who would it be? Uh, mm, uh, um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next question. I think that's something I can do. Um, if, if an actor portrayed you in a movie, who would you want it to be? Um... Ah, uh, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> did um, I'm not I'm not sure obviously because I'll have to tally it up and edit. But yeah, I I feel like that was better than most people. There was one or two, like the the coffee with the Disney character one. You kind of got frozen yeah, on. But I had no idea. Everybody, uh, thank you for watching. I want to thank Brom for being on the show. Obviously, I feel like there's a lot of uh, insightful information here. Hopefully, um, for you guys. At the end of the show, I usually like to do what I call roll out the uh, close-up pad, which is just a way of saying, is there anything that you would like to promote or any last bit of nugget that you would want to give the audience? Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's perfectly fine. I'll just say, just like always, links to all of Brahm's stuff will be in the description if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're not, um, you can find me on Instagram or YouTube and you can get the the lowdown of everything um, that Brahm's done. I'll have a link to his performance video and, and some of, not some of, to his Instagram, etc. So, oh, 
there goes my wake up alarm <laughs> in case I overslept. Um, but Brom, thank you for being on the show. I hope everybody has a wonderful day and yeah. we'll see you guys later. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Cardistry Talk. If you enjoyed it, consider following the podcast. You can also find me on YouTube and Instagram.